This season we've been on a journey uh, which we've been called Positioned. We started it in December and it's been an amazing journey. I just want to remind you some of the things that we have talked about. We, on the first week, we talked about facing the future with confidence. We talked about facing the future with confidence. And I hope that the Lord has encouraged you to be able to face your future with confidence. We came to teaching us about not losing sight of God. Don't lose sight of him. No matter what happens in your life, do not lose sight on God. And then we talked about recognizing God's provision. We had a guest speaker, Pastor Nicholas Kafula from Lesotho came, and he talked to us about recognizing God's provision in, in our lives and what God is doing. God's vision and God's provision for us. And on the fourth week, we talked about developing the unwavering trust in God and how we should not lose our trust in God because of circumstance, because of situations. No matter what happens, do not lose your trust in God. And many times in life, there will be situations that will push you to the edge. They will push you beyond your limit, like probably the game of motocross. They're a good example where you have to push your body to the limit in training, beating up your body, but not giving up. So do not lose your trust in God no matter what. And then we talked about how uh, we need to develop our obedience in faith, obedience of faith in God. Because there are so many things to obey. We obey uncles, we obey people, we obey ourselves, our minds, our feelings, and all that, and sometimes we do not need to lose our obedience in God, because without faith, it is not possible to please God. And the Bible says that disobedience is as good as witchcraft, or even worse. <laughs> the Bible talks about that as God is speaking through Samuel, talking to King Saul, that obedience is everything when we're following God. Last, um, or before that, we, Pastor Lynn came and talked about practicing gratitude and how gratitude, an act of gratitude and how to be thankful will allow you and me to be able to win friendship with God and also with one another. If you are, you are in a habit of saying thank you to your friends, to your family, to people around you, you're going to win their heart even more and more. And if you are in the habit of saying thank you to God for what he has done, before you can rush to go and ask God for what you want, then you find that you'll be able to use where and receive what you ask from God. And then last week we talked about safeguards. We were looking at safeguards and we we're focusing on our heart, on our mind and soul. And how the matter of salvation is very important in our lives. We had an example of a rich uh, fool. Uh, the Bible talks about in Luke how he harvested, he had a bumper harvest, and then he said, now it's time to rest and relax and enjoy and be merry and worry about nothing. And the Bible says that he did not put God first. He did not care about his heart. He did not care about his salvation. And God said today, this day, I will demand your soul away from you. Let's make sure that we have salvation in our souls. Let's make sure that Jesus is at the center of our lives. And we have to protect our hearts from greed 
of possession, materials, and all that. So it was a wonderful journey. And today, we are going to talk about bold prayers of faith. We're going to talk about bold prayers. Today is week eight, and as we celebrate the goodness of God, I'd like to remind you, today it's just like when you read the book of Joshua 24, Joshua reminding them of the journey, how far they've come, and how God has been with them. And our trust in God and faith in God has been key on their journey. But on today, we're going to look at just, there are so many examples to look at, but because of time, we're just going to look at one uh, bold uh, prayers uh, that were offered by Joshua. And then I'm going to be reminding you of the journey of open church and how bold prayers and our faith in God has been key to us coming this far. Quickly give us Joshua chapter 10, verse 5. So before we go to verse 5, I just want to just to bring you a little bit of where Joshua is coming from before we get there. In verse 1 up to verse 5, Joshua is being invited by the Gibeonites. Come to our aid. In verse 1, we have uh, people like um, Adonizedek, king of Jerusalem. Heard that Joshua had taken, had, had, had taken Ai and totally destroyed it. So when, he, when Joshua overcame Ai and destroyed it like he had done to Jericho, the kings around that particular area, the southern uh, part of Canaan and Jordan, they were so afraid. After he had taken Ai, after he had overcome uh, Jericho, and then he made a treaty with the Gibeonites. Now, the Gibeonites, Gibeon was a very large city, very central, and it was royalty. Everyone looked to Gibeon. So when Joshua had made partnership with the Gibeonites, with his kingdom, the kings, the five kings around the particular, that region, were afraid that there is no stopping Gibeon. If he can make a treaty or party with Joshua, because Joshua had God on his side. So then they said, let us go in a hurry and kill and destroy Gibeon, the Gibeonites. We have to destroy Israel so that they do not rise up to come against us like they have done to the other kings. So that's why verse 5 in the Bible says, Then the five kings of Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jemath, Lachish, and Eglon joined forces. They moved up with all their troops and took up positions against Gibeon and attacked it. The Gibeonites then sent words to Joshua in the camp of at Gilgal. That's where Joshua was with the people. He, he said to them, do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us. Because there are five kings standing against them. Help us because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army including all the best fighting men. They marched up to go. Then the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. Do not be afraid of the five kings. Joshua, do not be afraid of the five countries of Amorite people. Do not be afraid of them, 
because I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. You know, when we're talking about the distance they walked, it's like from here to Chingola. But then you are climbing the mountains up and up. It was, the Bible said it was an ill country. So there were mountains. It took endurance, tenacity, persistence, discipline, such that if you walked that mi uh, those miles, you will not be able to, to stand and fight when you arrive where the enemies were. But they had to go because Joshua had an assurance from God that he has given all these Amorites kings in his hand. That's, that's quite, I'm, I'm just looking at that. These are mighty men they were going to fight. They have not even fought them. They have not even arrived at where they are. And God say, I've given them in their hands. Joshua would be looking around like, I can't see anyone given in our hands. The battle is quite daunting because they are so powerful and so, they were extremely trained. And Joshua and these people are the best fighting men who were not even half compared to the people they are going to fight. They were giants. They were people who were warriors from their childhood, from their youth. But God says, you have to see it with faith. You have to stand your ground. And just know that I have delivered your enemies in your hands. So verse 10 says, the Lord threw them. So Joshua took them by surprise. Because they marched the whole night long and took the enemies by surprise. Then the Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated the, them completely at Gibeon. Because they had gone to fight the Gibeonites whom Joshua had an ally with, whom Joshua had a part with, or they were defending. Israel pursued them along the road going up to Beth Horon and cut them down all the way to Ezekiel and Makedah. As they, as they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Horon to Ezekiel, the Lord held large hailstones down on them. Because it was a mountainous area, a hill area. It had just like so many. As they were going, the Bible says, the Lord held hailstones down on them. And more of them died from the hell than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in, praise, in the presence of Israel. And many other versions says, Joshua prayed to the Lord. In the presence of the Israel, boldness. He stood before all the Israelites and all the Gibeonites and everyone around. He looked at them and he looked to the Lord. And Joshua said, he doesn't even say, oh Lord, God of Israel, God of the covenant. Because he had faith in God and he had to exercise boldness in his prayer. He says, son. Stand still over Gibeon. And you moon, stand still over the valley of Hygelon. That's the prayer that Joshua offers before the presence of the Israelites and the people around them. Son, stand still over Gibeon. Gibeon was the city Joshua was protecting from being defiled and attacked by five kings. But then he says, moon, stand still. Over the valley of Aijalon, the valley of Aijalon, 
was the valley where the five kings, thousands and thousands and thousands of the armies of the five kings were already camping to come and attack Gibeon. So Joshua says, let the sun stand still where we are and let the moon stand still. It means that it should be dark where they are, but there should be just enough light for us to see, to see them where they are. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies. As it's written in the book of Joshua, the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since. A day when the Lord listened to a mortal human being on such kind of a demand. There's never been up to now a day. Maybe the only time when this happened was when the sun had to go down. At 12 hours, the sun had to go down all the way to 15, down, to 15 hours when the author... And when the, when, the, when the king of light, the prince of light, the author of the sun, the moon, and the universe gave up his life on the cross of Calvary. When Jesus Christ said it is finished and he breathed his last, the Bible says it was 12 hours, but the sun went down for three hours up to 15 hours. A terrible darkness such that a neighbor could not see a person next to him. There's never been a time when a mortal man made such an audacious and bold prayer before the Lord to ask the sun to stand still and to ask the moon to, to hold, to stand still. And the Lord has not listened to any prayer. The Bible says, surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Then Joshua returned with all the Israel to the camp at Gilgal. Then just the fact that Joshua even thought about that, it's just so mind-wrecking. It's just like, just so, you, you think about that. How did even Joshua even think about that kind of prayer and just the thought of God being able to grant that kind of request? Well, the Bible says, uh, Pastor Lynn read, read later on and say that the people who know their God, not the people who know about, the people who know their God, not about the God, but the people who know their God in my English, knowing about something is just being like being informed about it. But knowing something is having a full experience and a full understanding of that. The Bible says the people who know their God, the people who have a relationship with their God, the people who walk and move with their God, they shall do exploits. They shall be mighty and they shall be strong. Because together, because together with God, we can do exploit. And Joshua understood the power that is in faith in God. He knows that with God, all things are possible. And nothing is impossible with the Lord God that Joshua saved. He stood without even thinking twice. Because he knew that God is fighting with him. He knew that God was on their side. He just stood and commanded the sun to stand still. He commanded the moon to stand still until he finished the battle that he had. Even thinking about it, we know that a sun 
always is standing still from our little science and that it is the universe that rotates or the galaxies and the planets the planets that rotates around the sun but the sun is there standing still but we know that the moon rotates because the moon is a planet we all know that Joshua did not even have a time to think about your little science but he knew that this light had to stop and that light had to stop if we are to overcome this battle. And if God is with us, even if it may not make sense to the human mind, God will know just how to do it. I don't know what battle you are fighting right now in your life. I don't know what you are facing right now in your life. It might look like impossible. It might look like it cannot be attained. It might look like it cannot be achieved. But I want to invite you to come and stand with God. I want to invite you to a life of bold prayers. There is nothing impossible with a man and a woman who prays. There is nothing impossible with a man for a man or woman who believes in their God. Nothing is impossible with God. Joshua understood that our, the Lord that we serve, he's the one that created the heaven and the earth. He's the one that created the heavenly bodies. And in the heavenly bodies, we have the moon, we have the sun, we have the stars. And the Bible, if you read your Genesis very well, that God created the heavenly bodies. He created the stars. He created the lesser, the lesser light. And he created the larger light that we call sun. And the lesser light we call moon. He created the heavenly bodies, the stars. He knows them one by one. He knows them by their names. And God orders them when to get it down and when to stand up. The Lord our God commands them. If we believe and trust in this God, we will stand in boldness and you offer an audacious prayer to the Lord like Joshua did. They were tired. His men were fainting. And he knew all these thousands of people. If they are to come and over flood Gibeon, we cannot stand against them. We need something to happen quick. And he looks at them. He says, if where they are, it is dark. They are not going to move because there was no Zesco then. They are not going to move because there were no cars then. They had little torches or they had little lamps. They could not move in those mountains with their little lights. They had to stop and camp. But if then there was a sun, a bright full day sun in Gibeon, then everyone was going to see their enemies move. As, they are, as the enemies are moving, they were going to see there they are. Throw stones over there. There they are. Can you attack from this angle? But the enemies were not going to see where they are standing. And because of the prayer that Joshua offered, the Bible says that there was confusion in the camps of the five kings. Because it was too dark and their enemies, the Israelites, they were in the light. Joshua and the, and the people of God, they were in the light. The enemies could see them from afar. That there they are coming and there was confusion. They started killing each other. In confusion, they started piercing each other. In confusion, they overcame on behalf of the people of God. And the Bible says, God overtook so the sun and moon standing still is a demonstration of the boldness in prayer and faith in the one who has power to command these things to stand still. May God, 
make the sun stand still over that, that challenge in the name of Jesus. May the moon stand still over that challenge. I don't know what those things may represent for you in your life. It could be whatever is going on in your life. But if you believe in God, if you have faith in God, and if you know the power that is in prayer, you will declare and command and things will be done in the name of Jesus. The Bible says we shall declare a thing and the thing shall come to pass. We shall declare a thing and the thing shall come to pass. So this reminds me of the journey of Open Church as we celebrate today our five years anniversary. Where are we coming from as a church? It's been, it's been a, and I would say Open Church was Holy Spirit birthed. He prompted friends and families with a desire for a church that is family built on an unalterable truth, on, on, on the truth, on the word of God that is indiluted, reaching out to the young generation, the current generation, and the next generation with the gospel of hope in Christ Jesus. To see change, to see uh, a church that is family, that is demonstrating God at work. To see a church that rises in its purity, in its glory, in its honor, and set a trend that the world should rotate around the church, not the church around the world. And with that expectation in mind, a church that is so missional, a church that, that, that has been launched in the Great Commission, so missional in its nature that nothing can ever stop it. That's been the journey of open change. A church built on values. And our values have been to be God-centered, to be purpose-driven, and to be people-focused. And, and the prayer, an audacious prayer that we have been praying is that God, from the beginning, I remember just gathering at, at Lifeline, that is a Ruka up today, we gathered and say, why should we be here? Why do we need to exist? And all of us in that room, we say that I think if God does not go with us, we have no reason to exist. If God is not with us, we want to do a church where God is present every day, every minute, every gathering. If God is not with us, then we have no reason to be open church. And that just orchestrated even coming together the vision of Open Church, where our vision is to inspire people to experience God and imitate Jesus. would love to inspire people, experience God and imitate Jesus. So that, that has been a vision, that has been a journey, that has been, uh, now you have to understand that with this vision, with this journey, five years, it's not been easy. There have been five kings to fight. There have been the Amorites to fight. There's been moments and time to break. There's been moments where we're like, God, if you don't come through for us, we are not going to go further. We have climbed mountains. We have gone in the valleys. We have cried together. We have mourned together. We have celebrated the Lord's goodness together. But what has sustained us has been a life on our knees every day. Believing God for heaven on earth. Every, every day, believing God for breakthrough. Prayer is a backbone of every health and strong church. Prayer is a backbone of every strong and health family. Prayer is a backbone of every strong and health individual. Do you want to rise up and overcome? Pray. 
Do you want to start up your day strong pray? Do you want to achieve your, your projects, your vision, your goals? Pray, pray, pray as if everything depends on prayer. Pray as if everything depends on prayer. Even other religions that, are, that do not even have the life of Christ pray. A Muslim prays five times a day. A Buddhist pray four, prays four times a day. An Ashuranite prays twice a day. And the Jews would pray three times a day. At Masa, at Minka, and at Mikash. They would pray three times a day. And as a believer, we have been commissioned and commanded in the way to pray without ceasing. To pray without stopping. To live a lifestyle of prayer. To live a fasted life of prayer. If you are to see God move mountains on your behalf. If you are to see kingdoms being overtaken for the Lord. If you are to see your dead ones come back to life. If you are to see greater and greater things happen, pray. Even for the birth of the Holy Spirit. For the promise, for the fulfillment of the promise to come. It was because there were 120 men and women praying on an upper room. Praying. And fasting and believing God for the fulfillment of the promise. Others would have said, no, it's God who promised. Why should we pray? If God has promised, he will bring it to pass. Wait and wait and wait. God is waiting on man and a woman to pray. God wants you to pray big. God wants you to pray that God, give me Zambia. God, give me Africa. God, give me the kings. Give me the kingdoms. God, give me the territory that I may win them for you. God wants you and I to pray big. Pray bold and pray big. Sometimes, because of our little faith, we, we feel and think like God can only answer a headache prayer. God can only answer a I do not have food for today prayer. God can answer both small and big prayers when they are offered in faith and in boldness. Where are we going as a church? Where are we going as families? Where are we going as individuals? Where are we going as corporates or companies or representatives in here or as families? Where are you going? Where wherever you are going, whatever your vision is, whatever your mission is, I want to challenge you that it will not come to pass if you do not include God in it. And God will not act on it if you do not pray. God is waiting for you to birth that vision in prayer. God is waiting for you to birth that organization in prayer. God is waiting for you to birth that miracle when you pray. Our prayers do not bend God, God's arm, or strangle God to do what you want. But prayer puts us in sync with the heavenly calendar. Prayer puts you and me in sync with the heavenly calendar. It breaks your humanity's stubbornness and places you at obedience with God. Where you begin to look at what is God doing in my generation? What God is doing in my time? It's only in the point of prayer or a man, a woman of prayer who says, Father, let your will be done, not mine. Because a human is known for wanting to do things their own ways. And many times, many times, we are in conflict with God when we do that. 
but men and women who are who live a life of prayer, they will stand and say, Lord, I would rather it goes this way, but you know better than I do. Let your will be done. If open church, we are to go far. If the next five years will be a successful one, we have to pray bold prayers. We, we have to see you and us coming together, united in prayer, one in prayer, and storming heaven with prayer requests. The enemy knows how powerful prayer is. That's why he makes it very difficult for some of you to have time to pray. The enemy knows how powerful your prayer is. That's why he makes it very practically impossible for you to be able to let go of your program and come when you have been called for prayer. There is power in personal prayer, uh, individual prayers, but there's also power in corporate prayers. When we pray together, we unite our efforts, we unite our faith, we pray boldly, and the enemy cannot stand. It's only when we pray together, the Bible has promised that whatever you ask on earth, it shall be given in heaven. It shall be done for you. Whatever you bind here, it shall be bound. Whatever you lose here, it shall be loose. At what premise is this promise? When two or three of you gather together in faith, in my name. So the enemy will do everything he can to not allow you. Sometimes he makes us too busy for prayer. Sometimes he makes us too broken for prayer. <laughs> Sometimes he makes us too vulnerable for prayer. No, I'm not feeling like praying. Prayer is not a feeling. You can't feel to pray. Feel everything else. Feel hungry, feel sad, feel what? You do not have to feel to pray. You have to pray in order to pray. Prayer has to be like our next breath. Prayer has to be like our daily bread. Prayer has to be incorporated with the word of God and be our food, our daily bread. If you are to change your world, if you are to change your family, if you are to see God descend on earth, if you are to see the move of God in your time, you have to be a man and a woman of prayer. The people we read as God's generals, the people we read in the New Testament, they were men and women of prayer. And they moved the world ups and down. They changed situations. They saw their dead ones coming back to life. They saw sick people being healed. They saw wonderful things that Jesus has promised. So if we are to go any far, we have to stand and be men and women of prayer. As a church, open church, we have got what we call the church that we see. We want to be those churches. That's where we are going. Our vision is unfolded in what most of you have known as the church that we see. I want to quickly read some of them. We say that we see an untraditional church that is fun and easy to be part of, where people flourish in their giftings and calling. A creative environment that inspires excellence and innovation. How easy is that? It is not, but it is when we pray. Then we'll break traditions. That limits and hinders us from experiencing God. Then we'll, we'll break up human sets and the demonic environment by creating a spirit-led environment that will make us be great at innovation and excellence. The second one, we say that we see a church where the lost find a home and are welcomed into a loving family of believers where people grow in authentic community as a natural part of everyday life. How easy is that? I'm sure the enemy wouldn't be so happy to see the lost coming back to the house of God. 
But that's where we're going. That's, the ch- that's what we see. That's where we're going. To be a family, a home where the lost find a loving family. It doesn't mean that when you do something wrong, we just love and say, it is okay, you can do that. We rebuke you in love. We punish you in love. We correct you in love. Do you know what uh, Second Timothy chapter 3, 16 says? <laughs> what the word of God is made profitable for? Rebuking, right? Correcting. In love, not so. It, it puts all those things. Some people, they feel like when they are rebuked, then they are not loved. When they are punished, they are not loved. Actually, when you are not, then you are not loved. <laughs> so that's the home that we want to be, where believers grow in authentic community as a natural part of everyday life. May we be that community in the name of Jesus, where God is at the center and love is our daily routine. We see a church led by men and women who lead with a servant heart and lay their lives down to equip ordinary people to live extraordinary lives and influence all spheres of society. We believe in you. We believe in men. We believe in women. We believe that God can raise anyone. God can raise men. God can raise women and fill them with a God-given vision and mandate. And these people, full of prayer and faith and the love of God, they can do extraordinary. They can do, they can, they can do valiantly. These people, when they move and stand on God, they will change their society. We are earth movers. We are trendsetters. We are trailblazers. We are people that have to pave the way and allow others to come through and allow others to follow as we imitate Jesus. Our vision says to experience God and to imitate Jesus. If you and I imitate Jesus and experience God on our behalf, people will follow and imitate us as we point them to imitating Christ. But we have to be equipped by the Holy Spirit with this servant heart. With a servant heart. This does not come naturally. Because as human beings, we are full of selfishness, greed, the I, me, and I, and myself in us. But it takes the Spirit of God to equip us to become servant-like at heart. To lay down our lives. Jesus was king in every nature God. But he did not take it as something to grasp. But he humbled himself. Laid down his life to save you and me. And he's calling for his sons and daughters to be servant at heart. And lay their lives down for, for others. We are here to equip one another to live extraordinary lives. If you are ordinary and you come to open church, it's our prayer and desire that you have to be turned into extraordinary. If you are natural and moving a natural life, it's our prayer and desire that you begin to look in, to move into the supernatural life. That's a kind of a home. That's where we're going. That's the church that we see. We hear, we see and hear a sound being released from a house that reflects God at work in our world today. People joining in joyful praise and reverent worship that glorifies God, our King. That's what we see when that reflects on what we do, church, why we do music, the way we do music, why we do the lights, the way we do the lights. As in this five years journey, many people have walked in there, and those years they would find the candles on our on our tables in our foyer. They're like, what kind of a church is this? What do you worship? <laughs> Where are there candles in church? You know, because we are so exposed to 
like more especially in Africa where candles or lighting candles are associated with shrines, with witch doctors, with what and what. The only time the candle is normal, it's only it is dark. There's no zest. They're simply made by humans to create atmospheres, whether it is blue, red, black. What matters? Who cares about the color? It can bring a different atmosphere. And But we have, we have had to answer questions, so many questions. It takes boldness. And I remember these guys, they were always, when people come with such questions, they would throw it to Sylvester to answer. Anyway, we did it all by the power of God. And many people come and say, and many people have, had, have been upset with us that why are you a church that is easy and funny to be part of? What is so funny and easy about the church? Well, if it's not funny and easy, I don't want to be part of it. I don't want to leave my brain outside to come into the church. I have to reason. I have to rejoice. I have to celebrate. Actually, every Sunday service is a celebration Sunday. Because we come to celebrate, to celebrate a risen Savior, Jesus. He is risen. Every other beginner of the uh, cult or movement died and they are very dead. But only in Christianity, our Savior is alive. He died, he rose, and he is alive. And he's coming back for you and I. Why not celebrate? Why not celebrate? If it's not fun, I don't want to be part of it. Life is too serious. I don't want to be too serious in a good way in church. I want to be serious when I'm worshiping my God. But I want to look at you and do a high five and laugh with you. But that does not mean there shouldn't be respect. There shouldn't be morals. There shouldn't be culture and manners. Not so. Yeah. Hmm? <laughs> if, if, it's, if we are not to be easy, funny. And, but I wonder why those years when the Holy Spirit came upon people, there were holy laughters. Do you remember? Maybe those who were born, can I see your hands? Hallelujah. There were holy laughter moments. People filled with the Holy Spirit and they would laugh from 06 to 18 hours. Until their voices could not laugh anymore. Not everything was fake. They were genuine. People got healed because somebody was like, ha, 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 They laughed. Holy laughter. The Holy Spirit brought it. Isn't that fun? We see a church of diversity. Different cultures and people groups equally valued and loved. And loved. People freely expressing their devotion to God and growing in a personal relationship with God. We have to be a church of diversity. We are bold and courageous enough to embrace diversity. If you are gifted in this area, the pastor will not be jealous of you. You are gifted and want to equip you. If you are good in that area, we want to equip you. But if you sit and say, I am too gifted to offer my giftings in this church. Then you will die with your gift. You, it won't grow. And it won't benefit. Jesus will ask you one day, what did you do with my one gift? You remember the parable of, of, ten, of, of, of uh, talents? Jesus will ask you, what did you do with the talent? Some of you, your talent is singing. And you have buried it like that clever servant who buried one coin. Eh? Clever. Eh? Some of you are really good at prayer. When you pray, God moves mountain. And you just sit. You, you pray by moving your leg like that alone. Like, God wants you to join. One fire can ignite many. Right? And if you just bury it to the ground, how good is it? How of use is it? Some of you are good with graphics. Some of you are good with pictures. I mean, any talent and any gift can go in the open church. We have room for diversity. 
we have room for di di diversity. Some of you are good at speaking to people. And you are seated there. You are good at leading youths. And you are good at reaching out and do evangelism. Some of you hide in the name of, ah, open church doesn't do this. Have you asked the leadership if it doesn't do this? Who knows what you don't see today is because you have not. We have it in the vision, but we do not have people who can do it. If somebody comes and say, God has gifted me for this and that and that. You know, over the time we've said that, okay, are you ready to study? Are you ready to commit? Are you ready to be this? What we don't like is people are inconsistent. If you are consistent, if you want to grow, if you are ready to, to face the blows and still stand, we've seen some people come with good charisma, with good gifts and talents. They were given one punch, two punch, and an uppercut, and off they went to the ground. Ooh, a wounded soldier is good for the sick bed and too bad for the battlefield. And many Christians are wounded buffaloes. Very coward at. They can't receive blows. Do you know how many blows we've received to stand? Five years of a journey has not been an easy journey. There have been many blows from the people we love, from the people we cherish, and from the world outside. But not uppercuts, not shotokan, sidokans, ashara kai kai, taekwondos. They did not bring us to the ground because together with God, we have been doing valiantly. And we are going, watch my space. Tell your neighbor that, watch my space. Yes, we have to go forward with God. We have to embrace diversity. That unity in diversity. Unity in diversity. Gifted differently, but coexisting for one mission, for one vision. For one vision. We see a church with a clear message of hope through Jesus Christ. A church built on an alterable values, uh, values, but always in beat with the current culture on how to present the gospel. A church with a clear message. And our message is a message of hope through Christ Jesus. He has given us hope. We were people without hope. We were like sheep led to be, to, to, to be slaughtered. But Jesus came and gave us hope. And we want to preach that hope to every situation. To every man, to every woman. We want to see that hope coming forth in our lives. We see a church. I love this other part of, of, of us as, as open church. Uh, we see a church. Devoted to prayer. A church devoted to prayer and so dependent on the Holy Spirit that nothing will stop or be able to stand against it. A church where the supernatural is natural. A church where the supernatural is natural. We see a church devoted to prayer, releasing heaven on earth. A church so dependent on the Holy Spirit that nothing will stop it or be able to stand against it. A church where the supernatural is natural. If we are not devoted to prayer as families, if we are not devoted to prayer as individuals, if we are not devoted to prayer as a church, we will not move heaven. We will not see a supernatural move of God. We will not see a revival breaking forth. We will not see mighty and greater things happen in our midst. Prayer. Prayer is everything. Even Jesus says when you pray, as an emphasis of you ought to pray. 
And then the next one, Gerard was putting, we see a resourceful church marked by generosity and integrity. A church intentional about the Great Commission and setting new standards for social, clerical, and spiritual work in the society. A church so full of resources and marked by generosity. So intentional about Great Commission. A church always setting up new standards for social, clerical, spiritual work in the society. Whatever God sets you to do, you have to be full of the Spirit of God such that you have to be ready to equip, to train, to raise up others to be like Christ. And if we are to be resourceful, it means that we have to grow in our giving of money, of time, of whatever resources God has given you, of your talent, of your skill. Then it is with the human resources, with the resources that God has given us, that can make open church resourceful. Whatever change we want to be, let us be so resourceful in creating that change. Whatever good things you want to be, whatever standards we want to raise, let us be so resourceful in raising and lifting that standards. If you buy into this vision, you won't only give when they, they throw the baskets around. We want to see people growing to be so generous such that even when they have not been asked, they fly a check around and say that, I've been seeing those tables, those chairs. Can we buy new chairs? Can we buy this and that guitar? Can we do and that? Can we help this and that? People so generous and so resourceful such that they can serve God with their resources. If you have observed so far, you, your, we, your leadership, don't like talking about money a lot. But maybe that's why certain things are not done. Sometimes maybe it's because we want to save you a hard time of like they are going to talk about money. But if it has not been helping you to grow in being resourceful, in being generous, in raising up standard, maybe we need to talk more about it. But we have been training and equipping you and raising you so that with the spirit of God, you will be able to know what is good and do it. The Bible says in James, he who knows what is good and does not do it, the same lives in sin. Have you read about that? He who knows what is good and does not do it, sins. So may God help us to raise the standards in our lives, in our society, in the church. Amen. Good reminders on an anniversary, not so. <laughs> so here is another one, uh, probably the last one. We see generations coming together under a clear vision. What's the clear vision? Inspiring people. Let's see it together. Inspiring people. To experience God and imitate Jesus. That is the vision of Open Church. To inspire people to experience God and imitate Jesus. So we see a generation. We see people coming together under this vision. Where we preach the hope of Christ in Christ Jesus. A church that comes alongside parents to raise, to train, and to equip the next generation as devoted followers. Of Christ. This is the reason why we love our kids' church so much. Our youths and young adults. This is the reason why we love to be a youthful church. Because we are training. We are raising. We are equipping the next generation for Christ. For people to be great leaders 
in their generation. I can tell you when I look at some of you or most of you, when we started, you were very, very, very young. Some of you still in primary schools or secondary schools. Some of you just starting college or just leaving college. But now, most of you, some of you are married. Some of you are leaders. Some of you are working. You are equipped. You're becoming leaders. That's the eye with which we heard of where we are going. Some of you are in your universities. There are so many of you in your universities who were in your primaries or secondary schools. But you see, time makes a man. Not so. (laughs) Time makes a man. Time makes a woman. Time makes a child become an adult. And all of us, we have together, what we have together in common here on earth is time. We all have time, equal time and opportunities given to God. So we have spent our time in trying to raise and equip people, train them, become leaders in their generation. And we are so proud of what you have become. And if you are still struggling, we are still proud of you and still helping you. And you can stand your ground. Amen. We are proud of everyone because you are the reason why Jesus came. You are the reason why this church exists. You are the reason why we are here as a leadership team. Amen. So we would like to see that you become devoted followers of Christ Jesus. If you are from the passing generation coming here, we want to see you equipping and training. If you are in this generation, we want to see you equipping and training and raising up for the next generation. Every generation has to feed into the next generation. That's the message of Jesus. That's the great commission. Every generation has to feed into the next generation. Jesus says, if you make them to be disciples, teach them to do everything I've obeyed. Meaning you have to also raise and train and make disciples of Christ. We have always to feed into the next generation. May God help us. And here is my conclusion on this momentous occasion. On the, uh, I'm inviting you to a season of praying bold prayers. I'm inviting you, church. To a season of praying bold prayers. Like Joshua, we have to be audacious in our prayer. I'm inviting you to stand and call heaven on earth. I'm inviting you together to see God move in our time. May God help us. Jesus says in in Mark 11, 23, that when you pray, if you believe, you can move these mountains. You can tell them to go, throw them in the sea, they will obey. You can tell them to move and and be thrown elsewhere, they will obey. If Joshua commanded the sun and the moon, Jesus says, you too can do the impossible. You can command the mountains and the seas. You can command both the mountain to move and the sea to remove, to receive the mountain. Have Have you seen that in that prayer? You can command both the sea to receive. You know, the sea has a tendency of rejecting everything that gets in it. You've known that. When you throw things, when somebody dies on the sea or on the water, where do you find them? The harbor. They'll go out. When you throw something in the sea, do you know where you find it? Somewhere else on the shore. But the Bible here says that you command the sea (laughs) to receive the mountain that you have commanded to move. Oh, may God help us. May God help us.